Think Red Ink Ministries presents The Words of Jesus series with Don C. Harris Hello my friends, welcome once again to the Words of Jesus series. I'm Don Harris from Think Red Ink Ministries. Uh, we've been talking about the uh, Sermon on the Mount and uh, taking it by subject matter as well as possible and as completely as possible uh, so that we can learn what did Jesus do? What did he say to do? Uh, this whole idea is to, uh, well, to refound our Christianity on the words of Christ. Um, it's, it's amazing how it has gotten off over the years, but I'm afraid that it has. It just has. It's turned into churchy stuff and it's turned into religion and such as that and the Lord Jesus had no intention on coming here and uh, setting up a new church. I know that's you know that's said it's very common that he's that people say that uh, his intention when he came here was to uh, establish the church and in some cases I think people uh, think that he came to replace or to build the church uh, uh, to um, uh, I, I, and I, when I say build a church, uh, he did of course come to to build a church upon this rock. I will build my church, but um, it, we're not talking about bringing into existence something that didn't exist before. There's always been a group of people out there that uh, that have a um, a recognition, a um, a familiarity with God, or at least with uh, having some desire to. To serve him, those people have always existed, and uh, although they've been few, they've they've always existed. And when he adds to the church, is when he is building his church. Um, but to come and re uh, to to establish a brand new idea, um, uh, it's 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 not that he has come to set a new religion, to to develop a new religion, so to speak. Uh, but his intention was to come and complete the situation that w that the Jews were living in uh, to be their high priest and their king and uh, and to by that manner save the entire world through the Jews uh, unfortunately this plan was thwarted and it was thwarted by his murder and uh, and in doing so there were certain things that had to change and um, actually uh, we as Gentiles um, uh, certainly, we cannot thank God for the unbelief of the Jew, but the unbelief and uh, of the Jew and their rejection of Messiah is really what swung the door open for the Gentiles. And it's uh, hard to be grateful and thankful for something as as terrible as that, but uh, it, it has indeed worked to our benefit. Um, Anyhow, uh, as he came to this earth uh, to establish what we understand to be the church, um, I think that what you'll find is, is that his, his instruction to us is very, very personal. And I think that his intention is to save this world house by house, uh, not group by group or color by color or denomination by denomination or even political persuasion by persuasion. No. I think that uh, his intention is to save this world house by house on an individual basis. And, uh, and he does so, um, uh, I think, uh, very efficiently. 
in his words that he is that he's taught us and that he's given us through uh, our our bibles and we've been talking about the um, the sermon on the mount and uh, one of the subjects that we're talking about today now this little book that i've been using as a guideline for the show called the words of jesus uh, although i appreciate this book from time to time i run into um uh, very conventional ideas in here that uh, are hardly substantiated. Uh, today, we're talking about one that has, has been headed as ostentation um, and as if he is teaching us um, uh, you know, what ostentatious behavior is and how we should, uh, would, uh, should avoid uh, being this way, whereas... I don't think that was the intention of what he was teaching at all. So, you know, there comes times that I have to disagree with our little book. And, um, and today is one of those days. Now, uh, let's read what he says. Take heed that you do not your alms before men to be seen of them. Otherwise, you have no reward of your Father, which is in heaven. Therefore, when men... Uh, I'm sorry. Therefore... When thou doest thine alms, do not sound a trumpet before thee, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But when thou doest alms, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth, that thy alms might be in secret, and the Father which seeth in secret himself shall reward thee openly." Um, this first section of, of, of this particular section we're reading uh, deals with giving. Um, uh, we here at TRI, we have uh, meetings from time to time uh, in different uh, cities and with people. And, of course, people come here to Pie Town to enjoy the Feast of the Lord, the Feast of Tabernacles and such. And um, I think that uh, some people are are surprised or caught by surprise in our meetings in you know out in public and such that that there are no offerings taken. Uh, we don't take offerings. We do give people opportunities to give, but we don't take offerings. We don't mention it. We don't talk about it. Money is not a part of what we do. It's a uh, it's an incidental part that uh, I think is very very private. Uh, between a person and his God. Um, frankly, uh, uh, as, as I have been able to protect what um, money and finances come into this ministry, um, I think that the Lord has blessed what, what we are able to do with as little as we have. Uh, one way that we protect what we do, uh, you might have thought that I meant invested in a, in a nice... Um, um, a, a nice investment package. No, that's not what I'm talking about at all. I want to make sure that whatever gifts are given to this ministry are not given to this ministry as much as given to the Lord and done so in a way that is uh, uh, somewhat secretive. Um, it's not my business to know who gives what and that kind of thing, and I distance myself from that as much as possible for a lot of reasons. Uh, one of those reasons is that uh, people deserve to hear from me. If they come to me for counsel, they deserve to hear the truth. And if the truth is distasteful to this person, 
uh, and they do get mad and walk away, and, and it happens. Um, uh, I don't need to consider the fact that this person uh, is, uh, you know, a, a key financial giver in the ministry and soften whatever outcome uh, uh, is, you know, comes from this particular meeting, or even soften the rebuke or the counsel or things, you know, softening toward persons of of means that are able to um, uh, affect things in a greater way than perhaps someone uh, I- who is uh, poor and financially insignificant. Um, I don't know about other preachers. Maybe they have the ability to to separate that in their mind. I know that I don't, and therefore I make provision for it. Um, and so one of the ways that we protect what is given to this ministry is that we insist on it being anonymous. And, uh, and in doing so, nobody gives unless, they, unless it's between him, them and the Lord. Um, nobody gives if they don't want to. No, uh, and frankly, I don't want... Uh, I, I, I don't want money that's been given by someone who doesn't want to do that. So when I say protect uh, the finances of this ministry, uh, what I'm intending, what I'm trying to do is to keep things pure. Jesus said that, uh, that uh, there is a way to keep your giving pure, and uh, that is to do it in secret, um, that nobody knows what you're doing. Uh, one thing that we do uh, at this particular ministry, whenever you, it doesn't matter if you're visiting us uh, in town in a meeting or in a church or out here um, on the grounds at, uh, at Pie Town, um, whatever main thoroughfare, thoroughfare there is or whatever main entrance or door or whatever to whatever we're doing, um, we always take the, um, the offering uh, box, which is what we call a Jehoiada box. It's just a box, and um, and it's you can't uh, necessarily see through the hole that is bored in the top, and um, there's and, and people are able to give in secret. Well, I noticed that when they instituted the Jehoiada box in the days of Jehoiada, uh, they the instructions were to set it at the right hand as you enter into the temple. This is just an interesting aside. I don't know if you're interested in these things. But um, it is to be set at the right hand as you enter into the temple. And, uh, and I, I remember uh, yeah, making that instruction that that's where the box should be located. But um, it was really weeks after that it occurred to me this particular scripture we're reading today. And what does he say? Don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. And, and so obviously this right hand, when he's talking about giving alms, he's talking about giving. And, uh, and we know that this box was at the right hand on the way into the temple. Uh, we, we know that now that when he says, don't let your left hand know what your right hand does, it is that you're giving the right hand in the box on the right um, is to be given in secret. And it's to be secret, even from your left hand. <laughs> I mean, he, I don't know how he could have made this any clearer that we are not to give in public. I don't know how he could have done it any clearer. How could he have said it any clearer than that? 
but that's exactly what he said. Now, so what have we as the church done with this scripture? Absolutely ignored it. We have focused on the ostentatious part, which is the part that I have trouble with in, in our little book, that, it, that they're saying, don't give in order to impress other people. And I don't think that that is the main message in what's being said here. I think he's saying don't do things not in front of men to be seen of them, but don't do things in front of men that they might see. But more, more correctly, more perfectly, more to the point, don't give it in front of men so that you know that they know that you gave. Because when you do that, you enter into a state of hypocrisy that, is, uh, that absolutely ruins, number one, it ruins your gift. Um, he says there, you're gonna be, you'll be honored of men for your gift, but the idea is to be honored of the Lord. And, uh, and the gift has to be given to him. And uh, so that when people come into the temple is when you give. You give when you get there. You don't give when you leave. He says it's at the right hand as you enter. <laughs> and uh, so there's a lot of instructions that we can gain from this. But I don't think that you're fully fulfilling the wishes of Christ here when it comes to these rules of giving. I don't think you're fully fulfilling them. Fully fulfilling. Is that necessary? Um, I don't think that you're fulfilling what Christ wants you to do as far as giving is concerned. If your main concern is that, well, other people might see me give. I might know that other people know that I give. People, they know, they, and, and they indeed do know that I give, but I don't do it for that reason. I think it's cop-out. I think that uh, you're still operating in a dangerous area. I'll tell you what, it'll come clearer to you as we continue because he, not, he doesn't stop at offerings. He is also talking about prayer. And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Now, it's important that you understand that he uses the word hypocrite here, and we're going to see this again. He, he uses the word a lot, but Jesus is not under the impression that a hypocrite is a guy who, uh, uh, you know, goes, uh, you know, behind the bar and drinking a beer or whatever other little sin or thing, whatever your pet sin is in your church that he hides and does it. Uh, we have a tendency to want to put those into the category of hypocrite. Uh, the other people who are known as hypocrites are people who are high and mighty or they're holier than thou or whatever, and they're just like everybody else, and they're just hypocrites. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm afraid that that word has been misused so long that it is bordering on abuse uh, because a hypocrite is, is someone who does anything with an audience. I mean, anything that you do with an audience is, is in danger of uh, being insincere. And my preacher friends out there, hey, from one preacher to another, you border on hypocrisy every minute you're in the pulpit. 
I don't know if you're aware of that. Uh, when I first became aware of this, it absolutely hindered my preaching so bad I hardly had anything to say. Um, but be, but doing things, saying things, and acting certain ways in order that others might hear you and come up in their mind with some kind of conclusion or surmise something about you, about your church, about anything that is not necessarily correct, but it looks that way. You're talking about hypocrisy here. Actually, Jesus called this leaven. Uh, he said the leaven of the scribes, the leaven of the, uh, not the scribes, I'm sorry, the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and he even threw into the mix Herod. And we're going to talk about this as time goes by um, in more detail. But uh, the, the leaven, the doctrine that these people lived by was to do whatever the people wanted them to do. Friend, I don't know if you know this, but when you sit at the table with your family and uh, you pretend that uh, you're not as, uh, I don't know, as Christian as you, as you might have let on, uh, or pretend that you are more of a Christian than, than perhaps what somebody has uh, determined you to be, or, you know, whatever acting that you're involving yourself in, you are jeopardizing your soul when you do that. It is a very dangerous operation. When it comes to prayer, Jesus says, what I want you to do is not stand in the synagogues like the hypocrites do. Hmm? There's the word hypocrite. This is exactly what we're talking about. Don't pray in church like hypocrites do. And who are hypocrites? These are people that are doing things, saying things, acting a certain way in order for or allowing others to make judgments of themselves. Judgments that, of course, are in the best light because that's what we, that's what we want to accomplish. Now, when it comes to prayer, um, preachers really ought to be ashamed of themselves, some of the foolish things that they have done in the name of prayer. Um, uh, everything from, oh, Father, if there be one here that needs Christ today, help him to do whatever or whatever else, and let him know that his life is 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 short and it's uncertain and and help him to know that and and help him here and help him there and may you do this and may you do that when in reality they're not talking to god they're not praying to god they're praying to that poor smuck out there in the audience and they're trying to tell him something they've been preaching to him for 45 minutes but just in case you missed it we're going to recap it in the prayer you know what you're doing is you are involving yourself in hypocrisy. You're involving yourself in leaven. And you're praying, uh, essentially, so that others can hear you. But it's not ostentation. It's not to make them think better of you. You're just not praying to God, and you are pretending to do that. Oh, God, let them know that we need you know, $75,000 for new pavement on the parking lot. You know, what's God supposed to do at that particular point? Say, there's no need. You just told them. You know, what are you doing? Are you talking to me? <laughs> Is this prayer supposed to be directed somehow toward me? Because it looks to me like you're talking to everybody else in the audience. Oh, God, <laughs> you know, bless our, our missionary team as they go down to Africa and help them do this and help them do that and and... 
And all he's doing is he's giving his missionary team a list of instructions. You know, some of the worst uh, offenders in this are the, are the big mouth women who have their little prayer clatches, their little uh, coffee clatches where they all get together and want to, you know, it's just a gossip session. And they, they look at each other and they, you know, they might look side to side and lean over and whisper very carefully, very slowly so no one can hear them. Is there anything I can pray about? Uh, what do you mean? You, you want to pray about something or you just want to know the, the dirty scoop? You know, the Bible says you don't know what to pray for as you ought. What makes you think you know? The scriptures say that you don't. The Holy Spirit is supposed to pray through us because he knows the hearts and minds of everyone, including you, by the way. And uh, none of this stuff means anything to him. Is there anything I can pray about? Yeah, pray about being a gossipy old hag. There's an idea. How about that? Maybe God will clean you up and clean up your desires to know everybody else's business. Go home and make a pan of biscuits for your husband. Go do, go do something fruitful. Well, you, you want to you figure you're a prayer warrior? Yeah, okay, keep a notebook. Let me know what you pray about. Let me know what gets fixed. Let me know what gets ignored and what gets worse. You know, I, I really get tired of, of people using things in the Scriptures just to get their own way, to do whatever makes them happy. Uh, and, in, and in worst case scenarios, preachers that are building churches, building congregations, um, you know, gossips who are getting all, the, all the, the news and the scoop and the dirt on everybody, Everybody just pretty much doing their ungodly thing and attaching it to godly principles such as prayer and giving and things such as this. And this is nothing short of hypocrisy. You know, again, here comes some good advice. Gave it to you the other day. Shut up. Just be quiet. Do you really think that God is just sitting on the edge of his throne wondering what the latest gossip is, waiting for you to show up and tell him? Is that what you're doing? Or, or, or I could help this couple. I could help this guy. I could help this woman. I could heal this baby. But uh, I'm waiting for one of you to ask me. Really? Is, is that the case? Is that what we're dealing with here? Uh, because that's the way we act. That he, he could do all these wonderful things, but he won't unless you ask him. And you, know, and you got Jesus over here crying at the top of his voice, my, my heavenly Father knows you have need of all these things. So what are we supposed to do? How about going and listening to see what the Lord has to say? How about not, not asking somebody, is there anything I can pray about? But ask the Lord, is there, any, is there something in me that makes me unqualified to handle this situation? My heart goes out to Susie Q. I care about her. I don't want to see her life go bad. Is there any way I can help this? There's you a nice prayer. And you know what? That's one you don't have to do in front of Susie Q. There's the one you don't have to sit around the table like a seance, holding hands and asking, asking God to appear before you. And, you know, and, and praying with her and giving her instruction about what she's supposed to do by pretending to pray to God. Don, are you upset? Yes, I'm upset. I get, I get very, very weary of this stuff. I, I can't believe that the Lord honors it. I just can't. Not when you got Jesus saying, do these things in secret, folks. What's the matter with you? Why are you giving money in public? 
Why are you praying out there in public? Listen to the next, listen to the next public prayer. You be the judge. Get your little notebook out. Write down, take notes on the prayer. Tell me, who's he praying to? Who's she praying to? I dare you. I dare you to take a look. Very few people pray as if nobody hears them. The only way to do that, my friend, the only way I have ever found is to go into your closet, shut your door, and pray. It's the only way that you will ever be convince yourself that nobody hears what you have to say. People would ask me, do you believe in speaking in tongues? And I say, in public? <laughs> and they say, well, yeah. And I say, well, if you do it at home, in your private, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. But I got, I got a feeling that you don't. I got a feeling that it's a performance for your church. Uh, you know, I'm, I come from Pentecostal background. <laughs> so I've seen some stuff. And uh, we used to have what was known in the backwoods churches. I bet they don't use the term anymore, but they used to call it shouting. Now, you might think that is making noise with your mouth, but it's not. <laughs> it's, uh, it's dancing and carrying on, jumping and, you know, uh, well, it's, it's wild. I don't know if you've ever been there. Can I see a hand? <laughs> or is there anybody out there like that anymore? Um, but, um, you know, a lot of that stuff, it's just performance in front of people. We, we cultivated that because it's okay to pray in public. Jesus said it's not. Well, we say it is. Okay. Take up an offering oh, and you pray over it. You pray before you preach. You pray before you sing. You pray before you end the service. Pray when you start the service. These are all times to pray. Um, and I just think that we've there's something fundamentally wrong with prayer. Mostly it is that we don't know who we're praying to, and we really don't believe that he has either he has anything to say or that if he says it, we're going to hear it. If you really thought that the Lord had the intention and the ability to speak to you in prayer and you had 20 minutes with him, what would you do? Talk or listen? Come on now, what would you do? If you knew he was going to speak to you, if you knew he had something to say to you, what would you do? Would you step in there and say, Oh, our Father, <laughs> thou, art, thou art wonderful, thou art holy, thou art whatever. Would you really go into one of those vain repetitions? Or would you just, <laughs> would you just lay there and say, Father, speak to me, tell me what you think I should know. Time's gone already. So sorry about that. But the clock just ticks right along. I want you to do something for me. Write to me. Tell me who you are. I'd love to know who you are and how you're here in this broadcast. And, um, and you, you can do that at Don at thinkwriting.com. All right. Until next time, Don Harris. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Don C. Harris of Think Red Ink Ministries. Email don at thinkredink.com. That's thinkredink.com. 
join us again for the next episode in the Words of Jesus series.